All right. Well, welcome to another uh, podcast edition of Safety Third. And uh, I'm really excited because today we have a very, very, very special guest. Uh, and that is uh, Dr. Harold Meyer. And if you haven't figured out already, um, yes, he is related to me. Um, this, is my, this is my father. So this is, a, this is a very special podcast for me specifically. Um, and Dr. Harold Meyer is a, an exercise physiologist, a professor and a researcher at Southern Adventist University. Um, and uh, maybe, Dad, if you just want to give us a little background on, uh, you know, what it is that you, what is it you exactly do? Well, it started when I was young, when I was in fourth grade, I started the idea of long distance learning. Now that worked, I was a very active uh, kid when I was young. And uh, we were supposed to stay in our seat at school. Mm. That was that was no fun. Right. And, uh, I was always out of my seat or doing something, messing around. So I got, um, for every time I was out of my seat, I would get a mark behind my name. And that meant that I had to run a lap around the cotton patch. Well, I didn't mind. <laughs> Started my whole career in the fourth grade. In fact, I originated long distance learning. I spent more time running laps around the cotton patch than I did in school. <laughs> so that's where I started this whole idea of exercise physiology. My father always used to say, you know, you've really figured things out. You have your graduate degree in goofing off in activity. And, uh, you know, actually it's a very good starter because uh, exercise is more than just goofing off. It actually, in fact, is vital to the health and wellness of our system. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because as I was preparing for this particular podcast, I did a little bit of research into exercise and there is a plethora of information online about the benefits of exercise. And I just pulled a few little um, peer reviewed studies on ex exercise itself. And one of them actually comes from um, uh, this peer reviewed journal that, that says, we confirm that there is irrefutable evidence of the effectiveness of regular physical activity in the primary, secondary prevention of chronic diseases. So, I mean, we're seeing this in the science that now they're saying there's no question, exercise is incredibly important to our health. Yes, in fact, in 96, the Surgeon General issued, uh, that was back a little bit, but he issued a, a warning, just like he did on the cigarette passing package that inactivity is hazardous to your health wow. so what that means is that the risk of not exercising is the same risk of you smoking so it's twice the risk to get have a heart attack wow if you're smoking and it's twice the risk um to have a heart attack if you're not exercising wow well so that really pulls it together how important activity is for your health Wow. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. Even in uh, the mental health realm, um, I found some studies that were, you know, out of Harvard, um, and they were really just advocating that even if you just run for 15 minutes a day or even walking for an hour reduces the risk of major depression by 26%. Um, and, and these are numbers that, that they're seeing that are even just as effective, if not more effective than some of the medications they're prescribing. Um, so, you know, the data is there that exercise could be huge in terms yeah. of health. And you, you've really brought up a really good point about the simplicity of activity. 
it doesn't take much. It doesn't take uh, much activity to really give you a, uh, you know, a large benefit of payback. Um, and it's not, you know, we, we tend to think, particularly I'm an exercise physiologist. I spend my time working with athletes a lot of times, right. increasing their times on the, you know, in a one mile run or, you know, knowing what their lactic acid is and all kinds of things. We can help them actually improve their capacity. But exercise for health is really, um, in fact, there's a balance to it. Most people are trying to exercise, um, you know, to increase their health. And a lot of times they're well overboard. They're gone to the other end of the spectrum. So you have to be careful about how much dose. And we're going to talk specifically in a couple of questions here. I'm looking at uh, on dose of activity to make it simple for it. You can get overdosed with exercise just like anything else. In mm -hmm. fact, when the Surgeon General made that uh, um, the study on activity and health in '96, um, they found out that the, it's a dose-related response. You can mm -hmm. overdose, and you can underdose, and you can dose at the right amount. So those are the things we want to talk about for the general public to have an easy way to, um, you know, gauge their activity. Mm -hmm. uh, what they could do to make it uh, beneficial. So that that's really powerful because um, you know today we're you know this is April 23, and um, we're well into this um, quarantine experiment that has taken the world by storm. And so there's a lot of recommendations to just to stick, stay put, and stay indoors so that you don't necessarily expose yourself to the danger that is outside, but. What are your thoughts on some of the these reports that we hear? Well, interestingly enough, you know, this whole idea of lockdown um, can maybe go on the other end of the you know spectrum. Care, you know, can can carefully uh, tell individuals that they don't need to be outside. And I don't think that's what they're trying to sell. It sell is they're trying to tell people that uh, you know the exposure to the virus is the danger. Mm -hmm. Getting near people, that's why the social distance. Right. But to be out in activity and, 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 and be doing something out, outdoors. Right. Um, in fact, my wife and I, every day now through this COVID-19 uh, virus, we've been getting out. Um, some of the parks are still open and we ride our bicycles through the parks. And, right. uh, and uh, we still get activity. In fact, we've increased our activity because we know that uh, your um, health is actually dependent upon your activity level, particularly the circulatory system and the cardiorespiratory system is what we're talking about. Getting air into the lungs and actually improving the, the function of the lungs. In fact, when you think about um, my mother once when I learned a lot of physiology actually from my mother. My mother was, um, you know, a stay-at-home mom and she taught us a lot of things about health. And one of the things she said to me, she said, Harold, your uh, Bible has everything you want to learn about exercise physiology in it. Wow. And here I was, you know, a student at college. Right. And I said, oh, come on, mom, where's physiology in the Bible? Right. And it starts right out in creation, the breath of life. Wow. You know, God breathed his breath and, and it became a living soul, you know, a living person. Right. Well, you know, that's that's amazing and that principle of that breath we still every day that breath of life is important to us 
And that's why improving our ability to use air is so vital to our capacity. In fact, your life is in your blood. Think of that. Life is in Christ's blood. You know, you think about that. He designed that same pattern in our physiology, circulating our blood is that principle of salvation to us. Wow. Just like your salvation is in the blood of Christ. Right. He just put those things together. And uh, he's the creator, so he would create the same kind of physiology, and my mother was right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> As often as mothers are. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So when you talk about this principle of uh, respiration, not just an exercise, but I'm sure on the physiological level of cellular respiration, like how important is this uh, in terms of exercise? Well, we know that uh, when you exercise, there's a lot of activity that can be done that um, does not require air. Let's say, for instance, a baseball player who hits a ball and runs to first base. He can hold his breath to, the whole way to first base, never breathe once. Mm. That's usually what they do because they're focusing on you know, the anaerobic system, the ability of the body to produce energy through mm. non-air pathways, mm. through sugar stored in glycogen in the body. Of course, it's very short-lived. There's not much um, in storage, mm. and you run out of that pretty quick. But you still need to train the system to use air. In fact, uh, in some of our research we're doing right now, metabolic efficiency is what we're looking at. How can we make you more metabolic efficient? And we can if we train in what we call the sweet spot of oxygenation, of putting the air into the system, those cells using that air to use fat to make energy. Right. And uh, we particularly are interested right now in weight and weight loss and individuals who are struggling with the metabolism to stay up to the amount of food they're eating. Really, the bottom line is there's a balance to that. Mm -hmm. And we can teach people how to actually balance that metabolism and actually uh, improve their body's ability to use air even when they're not exercising. That's one of the important recipes of training is to train your system to be a good metabolic user of air. Right. So for a lot of us, I mean, listening to this, um, you know, I'm sure that we have a wide audience, those that probably are, are um, very much into some form of exercise, those that may not be into any form of exercise. Um, and of course, we know this from the data that, that we're struggling with with more active lifestyles, especially in this day and age. So more people are sedentary, they have sedentary jobs. Um, and li life is just difficult, we're busy. Um, that's, that's kind of the beauty of actually this whole COVID-19 is that it slowed us down to the point where now we have an opportunity where maybe we didn't have that opportunity before. Um, and so that's kind of exciting, even in terms of exercise. So when you talk about exercise, what, what are maybe some simple ways we could start if we haven't? Or maybe if we already are, what are some things that would still benefit or boost, um, you know, our exercise? Well, rate? the first principle that I want to put out there, Brock, is it's not harder, it's smarter. Mm. That's the first thing I want people to learn in their uh, idea of exercise. We get this impression that harder is better, or if we're hurting more, or if we're getting sore more. Mm. Like you go to the gym, and they go to the gym, and they, they work out at the gym, and they walk out out of breath, and and they're sore and that really hurts and they go wow that was a good workout right. well, we equate pain and those ideas along with activity it should not feel that way in fact one of the first rules we try to teach 
the importance of an activity is if you can go back and do it again in an hour, you haven't overtrained. That's an important principle. You need to be able to, to revive the system, teach the system to use there. And it's, a, it's a not as hard as you think. And so the first recommendation I'd make to individuals is you probably could gain a lot from just a walk, a simple walk. We don't have to run to improve the body's ability to use air. Walking can do just as well. In fact, uh, we know that uh, it's low to moderate intensity. Our research is showing we are getting ready to um, present our research at the American College of Sports Medicine meetings on meetings on metabolic efficiency in San Francisco mm. uh, here in June, first of June. Mm. Well, of course, that's been canceled, but there'll be other ways we can present research. That we've been working on. Right. So, uh, we're not letting that stall us out in our idea of metabolic efficiency. And uh, we know that uh, the low to moderate people actually improve their health better than someone who's exercising hard all the time. Because let's take, for instance, let's go on the other end of the spectrum, let's take a marathoner. Right. After the 15th mile, there's no body benefit to it. Wow. It's all body, it's all tear down. Mm. And so it's not as healthy. In fact, we have what we call the J curve of upper respiratory tract infections. Uh, a researcher by the name of Neiman, who developed this J curve, and at the top of the J are where the marathoners are. They get more infections than a person who's even sedentary at the bottom of the, the J. If you draw a J and you get the bottom of the J over here, well, um, that J shows the uh, the uh, the people who are sedentary, but the bottom end of that J, way down at the bottom, when you get to right. the bottom end of that J, that's where the people are exercising health and and their immune system is stronger and that's what we're after when we talk about exercise so just going out and going for a walk is uh, uh very good in fact some people think well it's not doing any good because i'm not huffing and puffing real hard or i'm not i'm not uh, hurting anywhere or you know i don't have the burn in my legs and all the things that they talk about. we're not interested in fact we found the sweet spot 0.81, you have a carbon dioxide production compared to the amount of oxygen you're using and you put it on the ratio. And uh, 0.81, you know, it's just a number that we have realized is a moderate level of exercise, not that hard. And uh, that level really teaches a person's body to use oxygen more efficiently. And that's what we're looking at. So this is really powerful because there's a lot of, um, of course, like you said, there's there's these ideas out there that we have, and, and of course we even have catchphrases: no pain, no gain. Um, you know, and this is what drives a lot of you know our perception of what is um, beneficial. But from what I'm hearing in, in what you're describing in, in the research and the science is that that really there is an optimal um, range for exercise that gives us the greatest benefit, um, and that's I mean that's huge, right? Because um, yeah particularly for health. Now, not necessarily for performance. We can make you perform better if we work you a little harder, but we're looking at health and we're looking, you know, most marathoners, in fact, will tell you the reason they're doing it is for their health. Right. Well, <laughs> they're, they're a little bit short-sighted on their understanding of the importance of activity for health. So we usually say, we usually divide it up. We say you have activity for health and you have activity for performance. 
and uh, you can mix and match those. But you know, when we're talking about health and talking specifically about improving your immune system, improving your respiratory system, right. improving right. your circulation, that all has to be with health. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that you know that um, that really has a lot of um, you know application to many areas in life. It seems not just in exercise, but you know, life is a balance, right? I mean, we can we yep. can we can underdo things, but we can also overdo things. And and many right. times in in many aspects of life, doesn't matter what it is that you're you're into or you're focusing, is that there's a sweet spot that gives you maximum benefit. Um, You've actually hit on my favorite word, balance. You know, I like the word ants, A-N-C-E. You can take any word and it has the suffix ants on it, A-N-C-E. Mm-hmm. That shows you the activity of the word. Mm-hmm. Let's take, for instance, performance. Right. Performance, that's the act of performing. Right. So it shows you the act of the word. And balance is the act of being balanced. Wow. And what's really neat is you can take that and develop it into an acronym, which is easy really easy to remember the a is that aspect of um the spiritual component allowing god into your life to make that balance that's the first thing in there the n is the natural physical laws of health like for instance uh water drinking how important it is to drink half your weight in ounces daily as well as any exercise you've got to add eight ounces every every uh, 15 minutes of exercise right because your body uses that water and it needs that water for metabolizing energy and then we go on to the word c and balance a and c c is the caring laws of health actually mm-hmm. giving to others and helping others a lot of that going on during this covid virus i've noticed um, there are a lot of people helping each other and so it's not a bad thing that we have to uh, take a step back and say well how do we relate to people how do we help right. people right and, well that's really a ministry just to help people i know you're right. that you uh, work with the gideon ministry right uh, you know helping people really receptive um, letting god be part of their lives is an important aspect and then the e the engagement the uh education the understanding the really important part the mental side of health so you have the whole person the whole person in that word balance a n c e spiritual physical mental and social and then you have that educational component which is really important what we're doing here we want people to be well informed of what's the most important way to benefit uh, in your lifestyle we know that our diseases that we deal with right now are lifestyle diseases. So right. this is very apropos to. Um, right. So perhaps the and and this actually is a common theme that seems to come up a lot in either our video discussions uh, or even our podcasts um, is that maybe the answer is even more simple than we think. Yes. Like we're not talking about complicated formulas and regimens and all these things, which yes, we can get into that if you like what you're talking about, you know, if you want to, you know, tune up performance, but, but in, in terms of our overall health, you know, when we're looking at exercise, maybe the answer is more uh, simple than we think. And this comes from a report in Silence Daily that, that was uh, um, actually published in the uh, journal for clinical epidemiology. 
and they said they said replacing half an hour's sedentariness uh, or, or being sedentary a day with everyday activity reduces the risk of fatal cardio cardiovascular disease and 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 actually when they broke down what that um, um, you know activity was I was really blown away because they said the benefits of low intensity physical activity such as standing walking doing household chores chores can be can have more health benefit than once thought um, so just being active you know yeah whatever it, it may be. you know everything counts people sometimes think well I'm not I'm not doing anything it's not really counting and I tell people no everything they do is counting activity is counting activity is life inactivity is death right we know that we know that it's directly related and it's it's a direct proportion so that's why it's so important to become active one of the things that I use to help people see in their minds this idea of activity I'm looking up on my phone right here I keep a book on my phone called instant influence and the idea of the instant influence is that um, can't put my finger on it right here I got too many apps on here um, but I usually keep it right on my phone but it's the idea of you make the decision to live your life the way you want to live it mm. you don't actually you know you do that instantly you right. can decide and um, you know a researcher out of Yale um, understood this principle and they use this principle to instantly change people's minds of what they wanted to do in life and uh, they used it in uh, emergency departments um, and so it's it's uh, validated um, uh, a way that people can actually change your mind you ask them six questions and those six questions that you know uh, how on a scale of one to ten do they really want to change Mm -hmm. And if they said five, let's say, mm -hmm. they, they very wisely asked the next question. They said, why didn't you pick a lower number? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, that psychology took that individual to say, well, here, I'm, def I'm defending why I'm a five. And they started defending it. And as they defended it, as you express something, it becomes deeper and pressed in your, in your system. Mm -hmm. So you, you we, we, we use the same, uh, and I, a lifestyle physician by the name of Dr. DeRose taught me this idea, is expression deepens impression. Mm -hmm. and when you express something, you make a decision, you actually, in fact, impress that upon your own person that you're going to follow through with the act of, say, physical activity. Right. And they got, uh, they got uh, even uh, alcoholics, who were drinking and coming into the ER department all the time to say they would not drink again because they went through this process. And guess what? 50% of those people walked away and didn't drink anymore. Wow. They could see how important it was to make a decision and to follow it through. Wow. And that's, so that's what you're doing with physical activity is it's something that you have to decide to do Right. And in fact, people ask me all the time, what's the best exercise? Right. I always come back with, it's the one that you'll do. Right. The one you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that that's a great point, though, because there's there's a lot of us that think, I'm only going to get the benefits of exercise if I go out there and start training for a marathon. Right. And in, in all honesty, we're not all marathon runners. Yeah, who's going to do it? Yeah. Who should we be? 
Um, you know, so it, it you know, um, it's just, it, yeah, it's really refreshing to hear a perspective that, um, you know, if you make that decision, which oftentimes I believe probably is the hardest point, right? I mean, you got to make a decision, but once you make a decision, then you decide and you follow through with whatever activity it is that is going to get you out there to move and be active and start breathing, you know? We're working on our lab. We're working on ways to come up with dysiuid breathing rates and how are we going to measure those breathing rates. We're doing all kinds of things to show how we can take laboratory information and turn it into field information. Mm. And so someday, you know, I hope to plan. I'm working on a book now. I'm working on all kinds of things to, you know, come up with an easy way to be able to tell, are you at the right sweet spot level for your system to get the maximum mm. benefit? And that'll come with time as uh, our laboratory will show. And um, so it just a matter of time, uh, you'll be able to know exactly uh, how you monitor that effort. But right. usually we monitor it, we can monitor in a couple easy ways, like uh, your breathing rate. If you can still talk in phrases when you exercise, like you, and you should be exercising with a partner, because partner exercise is shown to be a lot more beneficial to keep you motivated to be regular. Wow. So you probably, you know, want to get a partner or get a dog or, you know, something that some that helps you keep on a regular basis, uh, week in and week out. We know that, uh, um, in fact, people ask, well, how many times should you exercise? I've heard it three is enough, right? Well, and I come back with how many times a week you do eat. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> you, you have to realize that activity is, we have to reset our system daily. We, you know, daily exercise is not going to hurt you at all. If it's of the right dose, that's where the mistake is made a lot of time. So they cut it down to harder dose and go three times every other day and go three times a week. Well, those days that they don't dose that activity, there's a lot more to exercise than just building um, fitness. Say. Uh, you talked a little bit about the beginning, the idea of depression and getting rid of depression, the idea of that. That's an important aspect. Right. Getting people out and, and stabilizing their mental state. Right. And that's just as important as your physical state. So that's why activity becomes so important as a mediator toward health and keeping you healthy. It keeps the whole person healthy. In fact, what's so interesting about exercise is it can meet the needs of a lot of other lifestyle diseases, not just heart disease, it's hypertension, it's diabetes, it's in fact, they're saying now, if you, and 80% of the diabetes, type 2 diabetes, is because of two basic reasons. Number one, you're not active. You've got to be active. You've got to be out there walking daily. Uh -huh. That's important. The second thing is you've got to quit eating processed foods. When you eat them out of a box, out of a can, out of a whatever it is, right. your body shuts down and the cells themselves don't know how to use um, sugar. And so it builds up in the bloodstream have diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Wow. So those kinds of simple things, we, we're, we're making it too hard. We're making uh, right. the treatment right. too, you know, too, too expanded, too hard. It's simple. Right. Out and walk daily. Make sure that you right. um, are, um, you know, in a zone where you feel comfortable. You're still able to talk. That's what we call the breathing test. Right. Uh, and then uh, on a scale of one to 10, it shouldn't be much more than five to seven at the most. On a scale of one to 10, it's plenty of intensity. That's a validated scale called the Borg um, fatigue scale. 
the rated perceived exertion, RPE is what they call that scale. And so those have all been validated things to ways to monitor your intensity. In fact, that heart rate's not even what you have to say, but you know, your heart rate is there, the difference between your maximum heart rate and your resting heart rate, that reserve should be no more than about, you know, 60, 65, 70% of, of that heart rate reserve. So, and we have ways we can even calculate out uh, from your age what your maximum heart rate is per year. Right. Every year you lose a few beats off your heart uh, because you're aging. Mm. It's a part of aging. And we have to um, exercise well within our, um, you know, our capacity. Um, right. I have a, um, a friend um, who wrote the clear word um, which is a uh, translation of the Bible. Is uh, they were really worship talks for his children. Um, put those together, and um, his name is Dr. Blanco, and he's actually here at the university, and he hangs around here, and he's always in the gym, and he's always exercising. He's always sending me an email, and he says, "Is this hard enough?" <laughs> and I keep saying, "This is probably too hard." You know, he loves to you know push the limit, and I, you know he's very healthy and he's very you know he's doing well but um you know the tendency is always to think i'm not doing enough i'm not doing hard enough and here he is you know very wise and spiritual things and translation of bible when it comes to physical things he's always you know feeling like is he doing enough and i'm always having to pull him back and say yes you're doing enough dr blanco that's plenty here's here's your formula you shouldn't be over this heart rate probably and you know using his age his 80s and so on so I try to remind him that it's not harder, right. just like we started this whole podcast. It's not harder, it's smarter, right. which is important for your health. Right. Yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's so refreshing to hear that, though, because, um, you know, we do complicate things, you know, working as I've been on the other end of that conversation with patients, you know, that have just newly been diagnosed with diabetes in the hospital. And uh, it, it's such a, a devastating blow. You know, I mean, I remember distinctly there was a young man that was told, was told, you know, that he, he has new onset type 2 diabetes and he, he was overweight, probably didn't have much of an active lifestyle. You could just see from, um, you know, just your first impression. Um, and I remember his whole countenance just, I mean, fell through the floor. I mean, he was like, he didn't even hear anything else that anybody was telling him at that point because his world had just come to an end, you know, but he has type 2 diabetes and I remember them handing him all this information uh, and then they said it's okay we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring something in to consult you and tell you all these steps you need to do and the medication mm -hmm. you have to you know be on and all these you know and what was what struck me about it was that wow like you know the answer it could be maybe a lot more simple than we're making it um, and I, I got a chance to sit to him and talk to him about you know some of these these things that we've been discussing here um, and, and he was actually really excited. He's like, really? You think you think that just by changing a few things and doing some exercise and uh, you know, that would make a big difference? And, and I, I told him, absolutely. I mean, and, and the, the point is, what do you have to lose? You know? Yeah, that's right. And it's not yeah. going to cost you any extra money. You know, and if you're in this no. condition, um, it, it could be just the thing that is needed. You know? mm -hmm. um, so yeah, my, it's great. My uh, exercise physiology teacher used to always say, you know your your best uh, your best resource for exercise is your tennis shoes. That's it. 
make it simple. Right. And, uh, you can actually uh, exercise if you just have a pair of tennis shoes and uh, do fine. Uh, and of course, we can get into overuse syndromes. There was a, a you know, some thought as I went through this uh, idea on this podcast that we have to be careful about overuse syndrome as we do underuse syndrome. And uh, you start walking every day, you're going to start having some pains and aches and things that you didn't have before, maybe because you're not used to it. And uh, we can pull back um, and we can do things to help uh, aching pains, aching joints, aching muscles. Uh, stretching is a good thing. Uh, exercising in water is another good thing. If you're, if you're having trouble and you're overweight and you need to exercise uh, where your a mechanical system will tolerate it, then I recommend, I highly recommend water walking, right. going in the water and walking around. The pressure of the water helps your circulation, just like uh, those uh, compression stockings that you wear when you have poor circulation. Wow. The water will do the same thing. So man, if we can get you water walking in a shallow pool that's only four feet deep, um, in the shallow end, walking around just like you would walk outside, you're one-sixth your weight. Take your weight and divide by six. Wow, your joints, all of a sudden, they are on, they're on task, they love it. They say, wow, I can do this. And so, and in, 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 um, in this day and age where we have plenty to eat, and people definitely have gotten overboard in their eating habit. We know that energy balance, a lot of energy balance and metabolism efficiency is really the eating habit. Mm-hmm. How much you eat. Right. And you can live on a lot less food and you can feel a lot better and you can be in what we call negative energy balance where your body is using the energy that you uh, um, are getting in from the food and uh, it's not just storing it, it's actually using it out of the cells that they're storing. That is just the storage system of energy, all it is. Right. So you use that energy, you have to put yourself in negative energy balance. And uh, uh, we know that people who start an exercise program in fact, start cleaning up other habits in their lifestyle, better wow. sleep, better eating habits, better, it's automatic. And so my physiology teacher taught me one really good principle in promoting activity. He said, but tell them all the things they can't do. He said, we got enough of that going on. What they can't do this, they can't do that, they can't do this. You know, that discourages people. Tell them what they can do. Wow, that came from my physiology teacher. And uh, didn't even come from my preacher or my minister at my church. Came from my physiologist who said, tell them what they can do. And wow, was that a new thought to me? I thought, man, that's so exciting. It was like my trumpet teacher one time told me, learn the things you don't know. Right. And then maybe you can play the trumpet. He had me practice all the things. And when we get to my lesson, he'd say, uh, what did you have trouble with? And I'd say, well, this passage right here. And he'd say, okay, try playing. So I'd bubble through it. He'd say, well, okay, you didn't get that. Okay. And the whole lesson was everything I didn't know. Right. At the end of the lesson, he said, learn the things you don't know. Right. All those things really struck home to me because I started learning how, how you approach um, even science, how you even approach life. you right. got to learn the things you don't know that you're maybe not you know you have preconceived ideas we have to be careful about bias right research we tend to think of you know what are people saying well are they right 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 thing so i think you know in this case um less is better 
<laughs> not more. And so all you have to do is make, um, start moving and you won't believe how you feel. In fact, that will motivate you to move more. Right. And so that's what you have to do is you have to, you have to take a step. You have to make the decision to take a step. Right. 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 Yeah. I really, I really appreciate that, uh, you know, perspective because as we're, you know, looking even at the, the name of our podcast, safety third, that's something that we've seen is that bias of safety first can really get us into trouble. Um, you know, because then we think that safety is somebody else's responsibility and it's actually our responsibility. Um, we have to be careful and, and make those decisions and those calculations and, and everything comes with risk, but there is a benefit in that relationship of deciding, risk versus benefit you know like there is maybe there maybe is some decision that i have to make here for exercise and it, and it may not be easy starting out but there's a there's an incredible benefit that comes with it um you know so are, are, what do you think are there any tools or resources that you would just share that are just great um things for somebody who's wanting to get started or maybe already has you know a great regimen going well um I think the one mile walk test, you can look it up online, it's really simple, is the best field test we have. It's the most accurate. It can tell you what shape you're actually in and using that oxygen. They call it VO2 or ventilatory oxygen uptake. And they wanna measure that. So they can actually predict what that is from a one mile walk. All you have to do is check your pulse, find out what it is at the end of the walk and how long it took you to walk a mile, which is four laps on most tracks around schools I think they have pretty measured distance on um, all those tracks. So you just go to a track or measure out a one mile flat uh, distance and walk that mile, see how long it takes you. And take those two pieces of information along with your weight and your age, and you look online and you look up Rockport one mile walk test. You can remember it by the Rockport Shoe Company. They were one of the originators of that particular test. And we know that your body goes in a linear response. When you work harder, your heart rate goes higher. So it tells you how hard you're working by just checking your pulse or your heart rate or a heart rate monitor, whichever is easier for you to do. And then you fit it into a formula which tells you what your VO2 Once you figure on your VO2, we know that it'll rate you in level one, level two, level three, level four, like that, and level five. Well, level one should only be training at 40% of your capacity. Level two should be training at 50%. Mm -hmm. Level three should be trained at 60%. Mm -hmm. So how do you know what that intensity is? Well, four on a scale of uh, one to 10 would be 40%. Five on a scale would be 50%. That's how simple that is. Or you could use the heart rate. You could take uh, your, remember what I told you, heart rate reserve heart rate from the maximum heart rate, 220 minus your age, get your maximum heart rate prediction. Then you subtract your resting, tells you how many beats you have available to the system. Then you take that times 0.4, add back the resting rate to tell you what that heart rate actually is. And that's the simplicity of that formula. Uh -huh. so again, 220 minus your age, subtract your rest. We'll tell you what we call the heart rate reserve, how many heartbeats you have in reserve. That's mm -hmm. the heart rate reserve. Then you take that times the intensity of what you tested at. So if you tested it and it said you were in level two, you could train at 50%. If you're level three, you can train at 60%. Level four, you can train at 70%. And we know that four is the, about the level, uh, level four condition is about the level where we like to see people maintain. So you can check yourself monthly, one mile walk test and see how you're progressing 
but how you need to change that intensity, um, either using a Bork fatigue, fatigue scale, um, RPE, rated perceived exertion, one, two, three, four, five, six, and up to 10, 10 would be 100%. We never exercise at that. 70% um, is usually plenty, and it's usually a maintenance level of exercise. And that's where the three time a week exercise came from was people, uh, you know, the researchers kind of gave this idea that, hey, you only need three times a week to maintain fitness. Right. But let's think more about that. Three times a week, we maintain fitness. Four times a week, we start to improve fitness. Five times a week, we start to enjoy fitness. Six days a week, we start to employ fitness. Wow. Seven days a week, we destroy fitness. We know that we need a day of rest at least a week. Wow. Every week, we wow. rest. And go back, to, go back to the Bible. Think right. about that physiology. Right. Seven days a week is too much. You need a day of rest. God designed it. He took one day out of the week, rested. And of course, he told us in the Ten Commandments yeah. that the seventh day is at the day is the rest. So someday I'll probably do a research study to show which day of rest, if there's any difference. But the important thing is one day of rest a week, at least. And I like five. Five gives you the time to get the monkey off your back and feel like you can you know, take a couple of days off if you don't have to walk every day and, you know, th be thinking about your activity. We can discourage people from activity by requiring too much of that. Right. And I think five days a week is where we really enjoy it. We're really looking forward to it. We're going back all the time. We're not burned out all the time. Right. And we're saying, hey, we can walk, but it's not going to hurt you to walk on that seventh day right. on that week. Right. It's just your emphasis might be different on that seventh day than training. You're out enjoying nature, you're out with uh, your family, uh, and all those benefits really come about, and we can see that even right. in this uh, COVID-19 virus. People are out together. Uh, when I go to the park, there's people all over the park having a good time and spending some time in nature and relaxing. Wow. Well, that uh, brings us to our conclusion, and uh, that, that meant so many incredible points there. Uh, I hope that uh, for our listeners, you might have to go back and listen to this podcast more than once to catch everything. Um, but uh, <laughs> a few details in there. No, uh, you get me good. talking about exercise, and I don't stop. <laughs> no, it was good. It was it was definitely a, a, a lot to, to, to chew on, and some really great concepts. I think are really encouraging, and this is what we really want to put before people is how people can be encouraged uh, to take better control of their health and specifically on this topic of exercise. So um, a, a really big thank you uh, to Dr. Meyer, my father, um, the man who uh, has been very influential in my life and teaching me many, many things. So I'm, I'm just so grateful to have the opportunity to, to share this uh, podcast with you. So um, thanks so much, Dad, appreciate it. You're welcome. turn off your recording now probably Brock yeah I'm trying to find that <laughs> trying to figure out where the <laughs> oh here it is stop